Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we jump into conversation with our guests today, we want to thank the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary for sponsoring this episode. New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and Level College desire for women to be theologically grounded servants of Jesus who abide in the Word. Their heart is to help women answer God's call to ministry leadership. If that sounds like you, then today visit prepareher.com. Thank you so much, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today on the Women in Work podcast. Missy and I are thrilled about our guest today. And if you are interested in the world of business, you are going to love this episode. We have with us today, Miss Sheila West. Sheila's background um, as an entrepreneur and president and CEO of a multi-million dollar company that twice made the Inc. 500 list of America's fastest growing companies. She That has actually brought her some re- national recognition. So we're honored to have her on with us today. Let me tell you guys a little bit about some of the prestige that her work as a Christian woman in the business world has earned her. She was an Ernest & Young, Inc. Magazine, and Merrill Lynch's recipient of the Emerging Entrepreneur of the Year Award for the Michigan region. She has also received the Oldsmobile Athena Award, Outstanding Woman in Business, Blue Chip Entrepreneur Award, and the Business Person of the Year in Monroe, Michigan. Ms. Sheila has been profiled in many publications, including Inc. Magazine, a feature article in the USA Today Business section, Corporate Detroit Magazine, as well as other cover stories for multiple professional magazines, newspapers, and Christian publications. So she's been very active in the business community. She served as president of the Monroe County Chamber of Commerce after serving on the executive committee for seven years. She was the first woman to serve on the Archery Merchants and Manufacturers Organization Board of Directors, serving three years in that space as the secretary-treasurer. And she's also been on some other boards that include the Michigan Gas and Utilities and the Monroe County Industrial Development Council. And not only that, you guys... If that's not enough, <laughs> Ms. Sheila, if that's not enough, she is an excellent Christian communi- communicator mm-hmm. who has really served a long time in the Christian space ministering to women. Miss Sheila West has 30 plus years of experience as a platform seminar and panel speaker nationwide, both within the business world and the Christian community. So both of those fears. She has spoken to women's groups nationwide about a way of life that will enable them to establish goals, make decisions, synchronize their life, which I'm so excited to talk to her about today, and experience peace and fulfillment even in the midst of chaos. And we all know we're all up living in the midst of chaos. So, Miss Sheila, we need your wisdom. She is the author of a book called Beyond Chaos, Stressfully, Stress Relief for the Working Woman, which was published by NAV Press, and she's also the founder of Real Living Ministries. Ms. Sheila, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Courtney, for having me today. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> I am so ready to learn and to provide these women with your um, experience and expertise as a resource. Okay, so before we dive in though, Courtney and I love to ask every one of our guests these three rapid fire questions. So we're going to jump right in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A teacher. Okay. Awesome. We've heard that one before. A lot of women have wanted to be teachers, including myself, by the way. <laughs> and you're doing it now. So that's incredible. I am. I'm just doing it in a different sphere than I thought I'd be doing it in, but one that I would much rather be doing it in. Amen. I love it. All right. So, Ms. Sheila, what was your first job? Retail sales, isn't it, for most of us? <laughs> Where did you work? I worked for what used to be called a five and ten cent store. That's <gasps> a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> and okay. And then they let me do the window decorations too, so I got an added plus in that. And then I worked for learners. Okay. Oh, come on, learners. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, what kind of work do you want to be doing when you're eighty years old? Absolutely no job. <laughs> <laughs> But I like, I, love about, that. I like being about my father's business. So I still want to be walking with women, helping to disciple them so that they can just find out what real joy there is in real life in Jesus Christ. I love it. I love it. So we want to hear more about just you and just a little bit about you. I have to tell you all, though, after reading that bio, when I met Miss Sheila, it was in the in the space and the sphere of, you know, the Christian community. And so. I did not even know, literally, friends, until Miss Sheila sent us this bio that she was so accomplished in the business world. So it's really amazing, Miss Sheila, how you have not put your worth and really your identity and what you accomplished in the business world. So anyway, I just think it's so so fun. We're going to learn so much about you today. But so tell us just just tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? Tell us about your family and just share with us briefly how you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'm a grits girl. I was a girl raised in the South. I lived in Alabama and Georgia and Florida, graduated from high school in Florida. Uh, I have a wonderful, wonderful husband, John. I have two great children who gave me seven precious grandchildren who are the light of my life. Oh, I love it. I have an addition now because one of my granddaughters got married. So now I have a one that I've just taken to be my own as well. Um, We lived in Michigan for 40 years and then we moved to Florida and I now live in the retirement community of the villages in central Florida and love being back to my home uh, state where it's warm and not so cold. But thankful for the years that I spent in Michigan. Um, I grew up in the South, so I guess you're taken to church every time that the doors are open. And so I grew up in church. Um, My grandmother took me and she was very instrumental in my spiritual life. We lived, I lived with her until I was five and a half when my mother took me to live with her in Atlanta. Um, This was during the days where being a single, again, parent from a divorce was an oddity. Uh, So my mother had always told me my father was dead. It was easier for her to look at that aspect of life than to explain herself all the time. So I grew up being a survivalist, having to take care of myself a lot and just be in charge of my life. So it was just normal for me to be in charge. 
But I, growing up in the church, I was in an organization within our church where I learned a lot of scriptures. And if someone had asked me if I was a Christian, I would have told them that I was because I thought about it being going to church. I was baptized at a very young age, um, but it wasn't till I came to uh, what I call my year of reckoning that I actually came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. During that year, my grandfather died, and he was the only father I'd ever known. Two months later, my mother passed away at the very young age of 47 when I was 20. And two months later, um, my husband uh, had left, and I had a a child that I was responsible for. So it was those survivalist instincts took over and I continued to try and do what I needed to do, not feeling like anybody was probably there for me, uh, not even God. I had always wanted to know about my father because I had decided that he really wasn't dead. I had found a letter that was written after I was born. So I began to search for my father, thinking if I could just find him, I would have someone upon whom I could depend. But after that came to a lot of dead ends, I found myself in a total state of despair. And it was at that time that I received a letter from a very dear cousin. And she said, Sheila, I'm praying for you. And I only wished I could give you the faith that I have in God to carry you through. But she could not do that. I had to have that faith for myself. But at that time, it took me back to the Word, and I picked up the Bible one night and read a scripture that I had memorized years before that said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I realized that night that I had sought God's help all my life, but I had never sought God himself. And I prayed that night for Jesus Christ to come into my life, take control of my life, and that I wanted to trust and follow him. And, you know, it did not make my life perfect or anything like that right away. Uh, But he began working in me, changing me, making me into that person that he wanted me to be. Um, Two and a half years later, uh, without ever having a divorce, God worked an amazing miracle because God does the impossible in our life. But my husband and I were reunited. And um, but he wasn't a believer at the time. And then doing the impossible again, uh, several years later, three or four years later, uh, I had the privilege of kneeling my, with my husband as he accepted Christ as his personal Savior. And he not only became the right head of our home, but so did God. And that was just an amazing, um, it was just amazing. It's God doing the impossible. Wow. Oh, my So you goodness. were basically a single mom. We just have to have a follow-up from this. Hold yes. on. You were basically a single mom for two years. How old were your children? Two and a half years. Um, half my years. daughter was 18 months old. Oh, Oh, wow, Sheila. Wow. And all that time, wow, goodness gracious. And then the Lord brought him around and then saved him. What a work. Yeah, God has done an impossible. His faithfulness. When we celebrated our 50th anniversary, I said it wasn't anything to do with us, but it was just the faithfulness of God as he had worked in us through all of those years. And your willingness, both of your willingness to to follow him and, you know, obey the Lord. It's amazing. My goodness. I mean, I'm, I'm already just really just blessed because y- your life just demonstrates how dependence on the spirit is just so important. And so I'm, yeah, already just blessed. 
Okay, so your husband becomes a believer and you now are married and you're living life now. You have two kids at this point. Um, but it, and I read that at one point you were a stay-at-home mom. I was. I was a homemaker for 18 years. Okay, okay. so how does one go from being a stay-at-home mom to three pages of accolades? <laughs> <laughs> My husband decided that we needed to go into business for ourselves because he did not want our future or whether or not we had to move or anything be depending upon other people. I was Mm -hmm. happy being a homemaker. I loved being a homemaker. It was such a joy and a privilege for me. But I wanted to be able to follow him and do what he wanted to do. And he decided he had to continue working to do it so that I would have to run whatever business that we decided we were going to do. And we wow. discussed a lot of things, things that I might be familiar with. But then one day he walked in and said, honey, I've decided we'll buy a bow shop. Okay. My response was, I don't even tie a pretty bow. <laughs> that would have been my response too. <laughs> he said, well, I don't mean that kind. I mean compound bows and arrows. Well, all that that did for me was remind me of all his hunting gear that would be all over my family room <laughs> his annual hunting trip. But after many discussions and uh, deciding that this was the route we should go, uh, we bought a very, very small archery pro shop in Monroe, Michigan. It was 24 by 24. It was very, very tiny. And I, not knowing one thing, was going to be the person who was going to be in that store every single solitary day. Uh, Believe me, it was only uh, challenge after challenge and just the grace of God that I was able to uh, accomplish anything. The first day that I walked up to the door, I put the key in the door, turned the lock, and it fell off in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) But those those survivalist skills that you've got. (laughs) God, again, is amazing. And uh, when it did, he said in my heart, uh, I said, you don't want me here. And he said, yes, I do. But you're going to need me and I want to use you. Wow. And that really became the cornerstone of that business. Um, we named it the Archery Center. And he said, honey, this is a hole in the wall, not an archery center. And I said, treat <laughs> people right. They will make it an archery center. They will make it a center. And that little business grew in leaps and bounds. And before long, we were taking up the whole city block. Um, could not get the kind of support system that I needed from distributors. So I decided we needed to become a distributor or a wholesaler so that we could help other small businesses to be able to get product when they needed it. And that business began to grow in leaps and bounds, and we became one of the industry's largest distributors and manufacturers of arrows. So we went into the manufacturing business, and then we had to promote the business. So I started a marketing company that was called Business Image Group. And altogether, they were a consolidated company called ACI Consolidated. So that's went from very... Um, very little to God working miracles uh, and just using us. But I believe it was all based upon that day that I put that key in the door and said, I realized that this business was not just about us, but that I was going to need him and he wanted to use it. Wow, Ms. Sheila. Wow. Okay, so I have several follow-up questions from this. What? <laughs> 
I talk a lot within it, don't I? Well, no, it's fabulous. How long, I'm just trying to figure out, how long from the day you put that key in the door till the day that ACI Consolidated, you know, was at yes. its peak, or even when you sold the business, how, how much time passed? Was that the whole 40 years you lived in Michigan? No, it was 21 years from the time that we bought the business till I sold the business. Okay. That isn't even that long. You're right. It's not even that long. It seems like a long time now, but um, it seemed like no time at all at the same time. It was, you know, it was, you say it and it sounds really fast, but it was probably three years before I decided we needed to go into distribution. And then we went from that place where we were, we built a, um, a large warehouse outside of town on 10 acres and had our retail store and our um, wholesale distribution all out there. So, I mean, it was an ongoing process. I have so many thoughts in my head right now. Right, <laughs> right. What, well, just when you were saying that, okay, well, three years in, you know, you decided to have this distribution on 10 acres and all that. And then the marketing business is the whole other aspect. I mean, I'm thinking of Proverbs 31, how, you know, the Proverbs 31, <laughs> Missy's dropped her pen. <laughs> how That's she, exactly what I was thinking, yeah, Courtney. went out and bought that vineyard and made a profit. And a lot of times with Proverbs 31, we hear so much. We hear just one side of Proverbs 31, which is the homemaking side, which, I mean, Miss Sheila, you're evidence of being, I guess, now the full Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> We have found um, her. We have found her, y'all. We found her. No, but that was that was one of the thoughts I had. The other thing is, Michelle, how old were you when you put that key in the door? Um, I think I was 30, 39. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And let me just say right now, all these business accolades and all of this sounds exciting, but I would never encourage a woman who wants to be a homemaker to feel like that she had a secondary job, you know, because that is such um, that is the foundation of this country is being able to train up our children and bring up our children in the way they should go. I believe this was part of God's plan for my life and that for it. And the most important thing we can do is walk step by step in the plan that God has for us to accomplish his purpose and that to make him meaningful to other people. So I just want to get that in there. I never want to see anyone feel like that a career is what makes you. Our identity is in Christ, like you said before. It's not in who we are or what we're doing. And Ms. Sheila, that's why here on this podcast, we focus on people's work and not on people's careers, because we all have work, no matter how that work is laid out, right? God has given us all work. And so I'm grateful for hearing you say that. But I also love that at 39, a lot of people think, okay, if, 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 if men or women, if they're thinking, oh, you know, I want to be in the business world. In their head, they're assuming, okay, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to do this at 25, right? right? But I love how the Lord, well, first he honored your faithfulness to serve your family and love your family. And then at 39, he said, I'm I'm not done with Sheila. I'm going to have a whole thing for her that you never even imagined. So I just, even for our women listening today who are 39 or even older than that, God's not done with them. God's not done with you. He has something for you that he's, his spirit really wants to lead you in. The other thing I was thinking of, oh, go ahead, Ms. Sheila. I, I don't, don't think it's, I mean, because there is life after children. And Absolutely. So there, you know, 
I don't think it's empty nest. I think it's empty vision. You're not, not being able to have a vision of how God can use you or want to use you or being receptive. I mean, if I wanted to push back, I would have really pushed back because it wasn't something that was on my radar. But just being willing to see how God's directing your paths and being willing to step into those paths. Willingness, willingness. and I love that. The other thing I kept thinking of was the learning curve that you you had to step in. You learned everything, but that wasn't important. Like God came through for you and taught you. Well, he taught me to know what I didn't know, that I didn't mm. know. No, I didn't hire an accountant. I hired an accountant to teach me accounting <laughs> as well as to do the accounting. I hired a marketing person to teach me marketing, not just to do my marketing. Wow. So I worked with my bankers. I picked everyone's brains. You read what you can. It was a steep learning curve, and it can almost destroy you if you don't have your focus on the right thing. So what did, I know it was hard and a challenge to learn all these things and really step into this new world that you never saw coming. Were there aspects that once you got in and really felt like, okay, this is what the Lord's called me to, I'm all in. Were there aspects that you grew to love? The thing that I loved the most was the people, because I think that's what life is all about is the people. People are the most challenging part of career, no matter what side of the spectrum that you're on. But at the same time, there are real purpose and being able to be a catalyst, empowering other people to grow and to do things that they did not feel like they could do. Giving people the opportunity that would never have been given somewhere else was something that I just love doing and being able to see them succeed and do what they wanted to do with their life is where I got my greatest joy. So one of the things that we know is like often we can be just out doing something like when your husband said we're going to open a bow shop, you're like, I don't even know what in the world a bow shop is. Right. But even in the midst of things that we're unfamiliar with, we can watch God line up the way he's made us and our own unique gifts and skills, like just fall in line with it. So how did you see your own personality and your own giftings line up with the work of running a bow shop and then manufacturing arrows? Well, I think part of it is that the the part of vision that God gave me a gift to be able to see things and to be able to learn how to, you know, we were in the archery business, so a bullseye is kind of important. Wow. And to be able to see what the end was and be able to work towards that instead of seeing all the small things. When I wrote my purpose statement, I actually wrote it for also being a CEO of a company. And uh, it was to counteract each obstacle to create expedient opportunities, to be in a catalyst empowering others as a Christ-empowered overcomer. And that kept me focused in what my job was there. But it also helped me to be able to pull from the things that I knew that I could do. I knew I could counteract an obstacle. Hmm. I knew that I could look for opportunities, but create expedient opportunities not every opportunities. And I knew if I could, when they interviewed me for USA Today, they asked me how in the world I made that transition. And I said, I just transferred my homemaking skills into the marketplace. Well, I wasn't being fictitious or anything like that or trying to make fun of it. That was the truth. I just right. took who I was yeah. and used any ability that I had, but be wise enough to know when I didn't have it. 
so that I could surround myself with the right people to fill in all the gaps. Well, and if our listeners didn't catch that, the CEO aspect, all of that purpose statement or vision statement you said, those were acronyms for CEO. Can you just repeat one more time? (laughs) That was so good. Say it one more time. Is to counteract each obstacle, to create expedient opportunities, to be a catalyst empowering others, but the bottom line has to be being a Christ-empowered overcomer because that's what you do in business. Christ-empowered overcomer. That's CEO. I love that. I love it. We didn't want them to miss that. (laughs) Okay, so your husband had the idea of starting the business, but it sounds like he was not in the store with you every day. Is Is that what I'm hearing? Well, it started out that way. For five years, he had to continue working so that we could put all the money back into the business. But then he did come in, and that was a big transition. I mean, that was because I was there. Basically, we discussed everything, but I was making all of the day-to-day decisions as it was going on. So when he came into the business full-time, that became a whole new journey. (laughs) Okay, well, just give us a little snippet about that. And for any women who are listening to this, who work with their husbands, um, I think it's interesting because you were the CEO and not your husband. So you were really the one, it sounds like, making those, those decisions. So just chat with us about that dynamic and how you found a productive way forward with your husband in business? Well, it can either be a minefield for disaster or it can be an opportunity for a magnificent opportunity to do something together and to make something happen. But I realized very quickly when he came in full time that we could just be butting heads all the time. And the Lord and I had a lot of conversations over it. And I took him to lunch one day and said, okay, uh, you've got a decision here you've got to make. And you can either take over doing everything and be the head of the organization and make all the decisions and I'll work for you. You can take it over and I'll go back home where I would be completely happy and content. Um, Or we can divvy it up and you tell me what you want me to do and you do what you want to do. And my husband was very, very wise. And after thinking it through and talking to the Lord about it, he came back to me and he said, you know, I am good at sales and I am a good mechanic and I am a good hunter and shooter. I want to take the retail store and I will just run it. You take the wholesale division if you will do it. You just continue to run the wholesale vision. And at that time, we didn't have the marketing company. I had started it afterwards. And he said, because you have the skills and the abilities and you know what you're doing. And that was really wonderful for him because that was the largest part of the operation. And so it kept him with him being president of the retail store. It gave him his own place to feel good. Now, we discussed everything. We were a team. It wasn't me just doing my own thing. But when the bottom line had to be made in the wholesale division or in the marketing company later, then it was pre-understood that I would be the one that would make that final decision. And I I think it's fascinating because we are complementarians on the show and we submit to what the Bible says about following our husbands in the home and all of that. But this was a business This was a business and there's no biblical warrant for a woman not to be able to be a CEO, you know, in, in, in work. And so I don't know. I think that's, I just love your heart behind it, Miss Sheila. 
It's all about your identity, and my identity is as God's gal. So all this business was to me was an assignment. It was something that God had given me to do. It didn't have anything to do with me. It did not change the way that I viewed my husband or the way that our personal life worked. That was two entirely different things. In our home, when the final decision has to be made, that's something I want my husband to be able to make. But this was business, and we needed to run a profitable business, and we needed to use our own gifts and abilities and strengths. We had to check our ego at the door. We could not allow it to continue. We had to have clear assignments of responsibility so we knew what we were doing. We had to communicate, communicate, and communicate. I mean, communication was the most important part of it. And then um, you don't talk business in the bedroom. Hmm. There you go. I love you. Good advice. I I (laughs) love you. Okay. I just love you. Okay. I mean, oh, I I will go back and listen to this several times because my notes, I can't write fast enough. Okay, so throughout the course of your career, specifically with the business, the business that you're in, you deal with people. And so in dealing with people, you come across all kinds of people. And gauging your personality, I feel like you have developed the skills to both work with, care for, serve all different kinds of people. What have you learned over the years about how to understand different personalities? And what would you communicate to our listeners um, as they're trying to cultivate that as a skill? Well, when I got into the business world, I realized I could not do the same things I did at home. I could not just tell them what to do and it be done. (laughs) And I realized that understanding people was one of the most important things I can do. Now, I didn't realize this right away. It was after I'd butted heads a lot with a lot of people that I realized something had to change. And I did not understand people. I did not understand personalities. And I actually went and became certified in Myers-Briggs, thinking that that would help me to be able to understand people. And then in DISC profile, because once I started, it became really important to me to be able to see people the way they need to be seen, to hear people the way they need to be heard, and to understand them the way that they needed to be understood. So it was really in listening and learning to do those things and and getting some training that I did not have, which I encourage everyone. My greatest regret is that I did not understand personalities more when I was bringing my children up because I believe it would have made me more a lot better parent to understand where they were coming from and what they were doing. It helped me to build the right teams. It helped me to be able to hire the right people for the right positions. It helped me with my training to be able to understand how people learn and how they need to be processed, that some are internal processors and some of them are external. They need to talk, be able to even be able to process it. It helped me with confrontation to be able to address things in the right way with the right people. So I feel like that that's the most important thing we can do in life is to really try to understand people where they are. Jesus did that. You know, he saw them where they were. He didn't expect them to be where he was. So that is just part of our life skills that we all need to be able to develop. And it's also really humble of you to take the time to learn other people, because a lot of times we can just, especially if you're in charge, if you are legitimately the one in authority, it would be very easy to be like, 
just what you said, you know, here's what I'm asking you to do. Now you need to go do it. Right. Your job kind of right. depends on you doing this task. And so I think it's, it's honestly very loving of you and a good example for us to, it's, it's a way to love other people and to say it's to communicate in a way they understand and, and, and that they feel heard, you know, I, there's so much to that. And, um, and it's, well, it's just what she said. It's what Jesus would do. Yeah. And they yeah. don't understand you in return. That's true. <laughs> you know, true. That's not a focus for many of them until they learn it. And prayerfully, I taught a lot of our people to be able to do that through our organization. I mean, that was my heart's desire to be able to do that. But it's really taking the principles of God's words and applying them in our everyday life. You know, I can't do anything. I cannot accomplish anything. Everything has to be done through Christ who strengthens me. But God's job is to do the work, to get my attention, to reveal to me what needs to be done. But mine is to respond in obedience and to do it the way that he wants it to be done. And that was, I mean, that's a learning curve for all of us. It doesn't just happen. Don't listen to what I'm saying from here, thinking this this was a walk in the park. It was not. (laughs) There were new obstacles to overcome every day. Okay, so owning, uh, owning this business part of what you really excelled at was the customer care aspect. So can you talk to us about why it's so important to care for your customers and clients, both from the business standpoint, I mean, that's going to help your business grow, but also from a Christian perspective, as a Christian woman dealing with customers and clients, um, why is it so important? Well, I came from a homemaking background and caring for people was just part of who I was. I told my husband the business would grow if we would just take care of them, that they would want to come back. And so I guess for me, care is the first four letters of the word career, that care became the biggest part of career for me. It became the biggest part of the business and how we were operating. Um, It was practical ways in the business to show people that we cared. I mean, we were known for customer care in our industries, which expanded way beyond archery to all of outdoor hunting and guns and uh, everything that has to do with outdoor recreation that way. But I taught, I felt like that we had to drop the customer, that we had to drop everything for the customer, but never drop the customer for anything. Mm. You know, that they were the priority. If if they weren't there, we would not have a business because it was dependent upon them. I had a mindset that if it, it had to be good for everybody, and that sounds funny and you think, how can you do that? But it had to be good for my employees. It had to be good for the vendors. It had to be good for the customers. And it had to be good for the company. So whenever... Mm. My team and I were making decisions. We had to take this and balance it so that it would work out and make the the decisions that would make that happen the best and be profitable for everybody. And I had to learn that care is not catering. Hmm. You know, that by caring for people, it doesn't mean that you're catering to them. It means that you're doing what's in the best interest of those four components that I was talking about it in a way that it represents the the Lord, because we cannot integrate our spirituality into our everyday world unless we realize that it's Christ who lives in us. And it is not segregated, which is what so many people do. They think of their Christian life and then they think of their work life. There is no separation of that. There is no separation of it. It's the person that we are. And the most important thing for us 
was that people saw a difference in us, that they wanted Mm. to know why we were different so that we would be able to respond to that. Can you share with us some practical ways that through the years you've shown care to those that you serve in business, some ways that um, some of us could emulate? I guess it's different if you're talking about customers or if you're talking about employees. Mm-hmm. That we all learn to fail forward. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most important things we can do, no matter who it is, is to learn to fail forward. I'll give you a little example. I got kind of upset one day. In fact, I really got angry at my employees for something that they had done in my sales department. Um, and I went out and told them about it in no uncertain terms, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I walked back into the my office and closed the door with an exclamation point. I know how angry I was. And I sat down at um, my desk. And because I believe that we are to have a purpose-driven life and that that purpose is to become more like Jesus Christ and to make him meaningful to those in our sphere of influence, he uses that to get my attention quite often. So as I sat down, I'm sitting there mulling this over. and it came to me, how in the world did you just make me more meaningful to your employees? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, Lord, I won't ever do that again and continued doing what I was doing. A couple of minutes later, I heard the same thing. How in the world did you just make me more meaningful to them? And I said, you're not going to make me go out there and apologize, are you? <laughs> well, you know what he did. <laughs> he made me go out and apologize. <laughs> when I Wow. Came back in and sat down. One of the girls who'd worked with me for a long time came in and she said, Sheila, you didn't have to do that. You're the boss and you can do anything that you want to do. And I said, oh, no, I got a boss. (laughs) And he was not a happy camper with me. Wow. He knew what I was talking about. We stood there and talked for just a few minutes and I had shared Christ and wanted to make a difference in her life with him, but had not really made any headway. She walked out the door and just before she closed the door, she turned around and looked back at me and said, I guess being a Christian really is real. So how we make them meaningful and how we show that we care isn't always giving them the bottom line price. It's not always patting them on the back. It's not always, um, trying to give them more money or anything else is meeting them where they need to be met, no matter who they are, whether they're a vendor, whether they're uh, a customer or whether they're our employees, it's being able to meet them where their needs are and uh, take care of those needs. Just so good. Thank you for that answer. Well, Ms. Sheila, on women in work, we love to think about revealing aspects of God's nature through the work of women. And so are there ways that you think um, through your job, are there specific attributes of who he is or his character that you feel like you were able to really demonstrate and show? I mean, you just gave a good example through this last um, conversation here with this lady, but are there, are there aspects of who he is that business in particular is able to reveal him through? I won't go back to the fruit of the spirit because that's all that we can, any of us really reveal. And it's the way that we respond to people. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, it's more in our responding than anything else. And whatever a situation is, if you're going to show kindness, that you need to show kindness. But, you know, as a 
as the leader of a company, you also have to be very strong and you have to be able to make choices and decisions and be confident in what you're doing. So I guess having the confidence that I had that I could do all things through Christ who strengthened mm-hmm. me, that if I, I mean, I don't want to make this too religious sounding. It's not. It's just real. It's who yeah. you are if you're really living I love that. Sure. and being able to make the right choices at the right time. You know, we can do things right and not be doing the right things. You're right. Now, let me explain wow. by that. I can be doing everything technically right in my business, but not putting the right things as a priority, making Mm. the training of my employees. That's what Jesus did with the disciples. He trained his employees so that he could multiply himself. And in business, that's what we're doing when we're training people, is that we can multiply ourselves. Uh, Jesus would confront them when they needed to be confronted. And he taught me to confront, but with care. You know, uh, I guess you call it truthing in love. You speak the truth, but you do it in love. Now, this isn't the gooey kind of love, but it's the one that you have to earn. They have to know that you care about them, that you care about their families, and that you're not just using them to be able to accomplish your own means. So when it comes to the character of Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And when we allow him to live in us, then we're going to reveal him. When we don't, we're going to fail. But there is no failure with Christ. There is no success without him. So we fail forward and use that situation to be able to reveal that he is still working in us. I'm willing to say that we will make a bigger impact for Christ in our failures than in our successes. Because how do you decline? How do you define success? There's internal success. I think I'm doing a good job. There's an external success. They think I'm doing a good job. And there is an eternal success. That means that everything is working towards making the master more meaningful. And if that is the purpose in our life, that is going to become the purpose in everything we do. It just Can I grab that? First of all, I feel like an offering plate, maybe right about now. Like we just, (laughs) (laughs) Miss Sheila. First of all, everything you're saying just reflects a person who has seen Jesus Christ impacts my life, and it impacts all of the areas of my life. And that theology is not this pie in the sky, high thing that only some can attain to, but that it is worked through all of my life, but not just by accident, with intention. And I think that that is what's just oozing out of you is intention, the choice to live intentionally. So my question is, with so much pulling for all of our attention, with I mean, we have access to everything. How can we live like you more purposefully on mission with God, no matter what the work God has called us to? Well, I'm always trying to teach intentionally living a life shaped by God's life because it has to be intentional and and it doesn't just happen and it didn't happen overnight. And I could go back and tell you all the ways that I did fail and have to fail forward. I, I don't want to make this a picture of somebody who does things right. It was by having to learn to fail forward. But 
I walked out of work one night thinking I can't take this anymore. How could in the world, what was the purpose behind all of the chaos? That was a change point in my life. I call it a crisis of spirit. And I wanted to know from God, what is all the purpose? I'm successful. I have everything that anyone would want to have. People would think I'm living the American dream, but I felt like my life was just totally falling apart. Wow. And I did not know what was going to be next. Wow. Uh, I took that question, what's the purpose? And I went to God's word and went back through what is the purpose. And everywhere there was a thing about purpose, I wrote it in the margins. I just saturated myself and not just the word purpose in it, but as I looked at the life of Jesus and what his purpose was and how he accomplished it, how he used it to set his agenda. Like when um, he healed Peter's mother-in-law and they said, come on, the crowds are yelling for you. And he said, no, I'm going over to this town to preach because that is the reason for which I've come. He made it as a blueprint for his relationships in John 3, 17. It says he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And if we live our relationships with that purpose, it was his commitment credo when he wanted to. He said, but not my will, but thine be done for that is the reason for which I have come. And when we truly are living, understanding the reason for which we are here, that is what makes the difference. And that's when I wrote a purpose statement and that purpose statement was that it, I am to love the Lord God with all of my heart, my mind, and my soul. And through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, I am to become more like Jesus Christ, to make him meaningful to those in my sphere of influence, all for the glory of God and to have joy in the process of it. And I think if you go back and look that up, it's very biblically sound, that that's why God created us and that he has us here. But then I took it a step farther and I wrote a purpose statement for each one of my roles and each one of my agendas. And what does that purpose look like? How do I live it out in my daily life? What are the things that I needed to do with my son to make the master more meaningful to him? What about my son? What about my employees wow. made me need to become more like Jesus in order to be able to do that effectively? So the only thing I can say is that being purpose driven, the whole focus of my life became to intentionally move in natural increments and I call those mini steps, move in natural increments, another acrostic. Wow. <laughs> so, and many steps are small steps, but lots of them. But move in natural increments towards a more Christ centered, uh, spirit empowered, purpose driven life. And it kept me, that was my bullseye. Mm -hmm. That's what I was living to do so that I could experience real life in Jesus Christ and reflect what that would look like to other people. That is such a real paradigm shift for me. The idea of writing a personal purpose statement is something I've heard and I've done. I train people in leadership. Purpose statements make sense. But personal purpose statements for each role in my life particularly as a woman, and we are always wearing multiple hats, to recognize that the role, the, the way I image God in this role needs me to be purpose, purposely vision-oriented there. And the way I vision God in this role needs another vision. And the way I image God in this role needs more vision. That is just so powerful so and just nice. really, really helpful. 
I call those action visions because it gave me a vision, but it also told me how to take the next step. Mm-hmm. I just want the record to show clearly, and it's being, this will be public. I will be quoting you for many a year to come, okay? <laughs> and it, it may show up on a podcast, on a stage. I just want you to know, Ms. Sheila, I will be using your words for life. And everyone has heard me say it. I am giving her her credit now, okay? <laughs> Duly noted, Missy Branch. Well, and I love... A lot of times we hear about sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. And we know as a Christian, that's all the, the, we're in that process. All of us are in that process. But I love how you really made the process of sanctification about loving these people in your life. You're you're like, how can I make my son, how can I make the master more meaningful to my son? You know what? That's going to be on me to look more like Jesus. Let me Lord Jesus, in this, by the power of the Spirit, I need to adjust this part of my life so that He will see the Master as meaningful. It really almost gives more of a purpose to our sanctification. And just like you said, loving God and loving others, I mean, it's it gives me, I literally have chills um, just thinking about how beautiful that is and humble and loving it is. It wasn't about you. It was about Jesus and it was really all about Jesus and others. So, Okay, we got to keep moving because I'm looking at our time here. Michelle, we mentioned in your bio about how you love helping women synchronize their agendas and roles. We need to know what exactly you mean by that and how can we do it? We're ready. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hear balance, 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 balance. There is absolutely no way you can balance your life. So you can just take that and mark it (laughs) off your brain because it just does not work. I mean, just stop and think about it. Can you walk a tight rope and keep the balance? How many of us like to balance a checkbook and how hard is that for us to do it? Think of the ways that we try to balance. But what do we do when we walk? We synchronize. We move one step right after another. If you think about people that are in the Army, there's, they walk in synchronization. And they have to stay in beat. Their feet are moving exactly the same. And if they get out of step, then they do a little double step, but they get back in step and there's that moving. And that's the way that my life ended up having to work. I could not balance it. How much, what do I balance? Do I give this much time, this much time, this much money, this much money? What are you going to balance to even start with? So I started looking at Jesus's life again, and he lived a synchronized lifestyle. You know, he moved and did the flow in between what he was supposed to be doing and where he was supposed to do it to so many different people. He didn't mind saying that I need to take a rest here. Go get me something in town. You know, I'm going to sit here by the pool. He didn't mind saying, no, I'm not going to go over there. I'm going to stay over here. So how do I do that? And again, it took me sitting down and I literally took a piece of um, freezer paper and wrote down everything that I had to do. And I meant this was eons of things. And then I sat back and looked at it and said, okay, what ought I be doing? And when I say ought, I must do. I have no choice in being whether I do that or not. Then what do I want to do? Hey, gals, we have to have some wants in our life, too. I want to get a pedicure. I want to get a pedicure. <laughs> and for us to be able to take time to be able to do the things for ourselves. And then the things that I need to do. I need to mop my kitchen. It needs to be kept clean because I like a clean house. But it doesn't have to be done on a timetable. And if it doesn't get done, it's not going to be 
the end of the world. So I had to start looking at my life and how mixed up I was and some of my thinking, the things that I wanted to do. And then I started making intentional choices about how I could synchronize my life with my family and those that were the most important to me. And one of the things that I did was I went to each one of them and I said, you know that mom's life is crazy right now. Now, I cannot do everything that I used to do. So will you help me to know what the most important things that I can do for you are? That if I do those things, that you know that I love you and that you are a top priority in my life. Again, it's communication. And I did the same thing. My husband told me, he said, the one thing that would make me know that is at night, if you wouldn't be on your computer when we're watching television that I know you have your undivided attention, knowing that I don't like to watch television. (laughs) But years before, I had learned knit and crochet and do all those things sitting in front of the television. Because when I had asked my husband, the most important thing to him was that I would spend time and be present with him. So I had learned to do those things. And if we just get to know the people around us, we can learn to synchronize so that we're going in and out. Some of the women I know now work, they're involved in things in the church. They have personal things that they want to do. They're at every game that their child has or anything that they participate in. You can't do it all all at once. Mm -mm. That is the fallacy. And we will destroy ourselves and our families trying to do that. But it also teaches us to teach our children to make choices and not think they can do everything at once. I made a big mistake with my daughter. I did everything for her. I was a homemaker. So I took care of everything so that she could be the editor of the yearbook. She could be a synchronized swimmer. She could be on the cheerleaders, that she could be in this club, that she could do that. What happened when mom wasn't there to do everything anymore? I did not teach her to have to make choices about what was most important to her, what the things were that she liked the most, and to get her to look at the motives for why she was doing those things and make sure that her motives were the right ones and not trying to be a people pleaser, but something that she felt like that she was supposed to do and that she could do in a way that it would be pleasing to the Lord. That the main thing in life is to be able to please him. And that comes from our mindsets and our motives and our methods of doing things. So it it's a, I literally developed what I called an aim plan, which aim is an acrostic. I love it. Agape in me. What does God's love in me look like in the areas of my life? And how do I keep those in what I called the unforced rhythm of grace? Because it took a lot of grace to live with me. Agape in me. Aim. Aim plan. Unforced rhythm of grace. Writing this that down. comes from the message where he's talking about in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. And he says, "Come, to, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, work with me, walk with me. I will teach you the unforced rhythm of grace. And then it goes on to say, and you will learn to live lightly and freely. Wow, that's beautiful. That's what we want. Um, so I really had to collect myself because you have definitely spoken life. In, for me in ways that I, you could never know because we haven't even had a conversation before today. And so I like 
thank you, first of all. Thank you for the submission of your life, for being a woman who submitted her life in a way that was so focused on others that the ripple effect is blessings and blessings and blessings to people who you don't even know. You know, I'm. it's such an honor to be cast in that shadow and to be able to say, I've learned so much. And it just says to me that so many women will be blessed by hearing your words today. I'm so sad that we have to even consider wrapping up. It makes me sad because I feel like I would love to talk with you. I need to get to you and get on a back porch and, <laughs> and just talk. Will you just come on down here and get on my Lanai? Oh my goodness, Courtney, we got to make that happen. Oh my gosh, that would be the most fun vacation. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as we close, Miss Sheila, what is one piece of advice that you would leave with women who want to honor God with their vocation? Vocational calling. Your work is not your identity. Mm. You're wrapped up in Christ. Mm. Yes. And your work is a way of fulfilling your purpose of making him more meaningful to those in your sphere of influence. And the things that you end up encountering are to give you the opportunity to become more like Jesus Christ. Truly, our lives are here to glorify the Lord. And that is the greatest joy that we can have. He says that we are to have joy in his presence. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. It is right-hand pleasures forevermore. Oh, what fellowship divine. I am his and he is mine. And if we can just walk with that in our hearts and and do things to remind ourselves of that daily, then we're not going to see work um, as a job, we're going to see it as an assignment from him and we're going to do it for his pleasure and for his glory. Amen. 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 Well, this has just been such a wonderful, that's why I love doing this show. I always walk away so encouraged and it's such a privilege just to learn from our guests. I feel like this particular was so Christ-centered, Michelle. Your life is so Christ-centered and so spirit-empowered. It is really the goal for what we the yes. vision we really want to cast yes. at women in work um, to be about him and doing all things in life, just like you mentioned earlier, um, that it's not segregated. All of life is wrapped up in in one lane, and that is through the power of the Spirit for the name of Jesus. And so it has been such a pleasure. And we don't want it to be like a, um, a sign. We want it to be something they see, not something that we have to just constantly be saying. That's exactly right. You don't Amen. have to say if he's revealing himself through you, he's re- it's revealed. Let him do it. Let <laughs> him you do go. it. Yes. Well, thank you. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I, I, you've blessed me very much. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will be more information about today's conversation there. And while you're there, we'd be honored for you to partner with us financially. If this podcast or really any of the content Women in Work produces has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you. Women in Work is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all your donations are fully tax deductible. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss another one, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also love for you to take a minute to rate and review our show so that more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.